The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is the Fighting Through Podcast, Episode 75, Coffee with Ken Cook, Part 2. Welcome back, and we're just going to rejoin the coffee as Ken was determining to shoot two Germans in the hospital. Keep listening to find out how Ken's war progresses as he returns to action in Germany. And I could see right down the marking line, you know, and there's two Germans walking across. And I said to the nurse, where's my rifle? So they're two German medical people who are helping us, you know. And there's me one. (laughs) Oh, dear. I put on a boat back to England. I went to a hospital down south for three or four days. Can you remember where that was? Was that Southampton? Around south of England somewhere. I don't know in the hospital itself where it was. Because there was a Canadian... All I remember about that hospital was the matron. Yeah. She'd have made a good darts player. (laughs) What, with the old needles? You know, with needles. (laughs) You know when you go around that? Yeah, pushing it in. She didn't. She took the needle out, threw the needle, and followed it up with the plunger. Seriously? You know. <laughs> Serious, yeah. <laughs> you said, throw, throw the needle, you know, knew where the mark was on her, yeah. your backside or whatever. Threw the needle and straight in with the plunger. The dab hand, I think she was. Maybe she felt that was the... <laughs> I, the, the painless, the most painless way of doing it, because the quicker it went in, the less yeah, it would hurt, maybe. But, yeah. Then uh, oh, they put us on a train, and we came right up to Scotland. Yeah. We stopped at York, because I, I, I had to look in, I was on a stretcher, like, near a window. You didn't think of sneaking out. I, I could see where we were, sort of thing, yeah. you know. We sto- I remember stopping at York, then we carried on. And we went up to uh, Montrose, which is uh, Scotland, nearly to Aberdeen. Yeah. In between, we were on the transport from Montrose to Brecon, and we carried on to Cathro Hospital, yeah. which was about three or four miles from Brecon. It wasn't a hospital as such; it was huts, brick buildings, yes. like huts in in rows. And we went in the first one, 29 ward, I think it was. And we put into bed. There were beds on both sides. And at far then, there's some children playing. So I think it was part of a children's hospital as well. Okay. Anyway, we were put into bed. Doctor came around and checking what was wrong and all the rest of it. And the following day, we were talking to the children, you know, chatting away to them. And uh, the doctor came round. Says, "Right, back in going in the theatre." So I went back in the theatre. 
stuck a needle in, passed out, yeah. woke up in bed with a plaster cast from here to here. From your neck right down to your... And like a plaster cast here, and like a little prop underneath oh, to, to hold the arm in position your, like that. your arm up. You, you, so you, you, you cast from your neck right down to your torso? Just, just about, near, you know, yeah. from there to there. And then your arm as well? An arm as well. Strung up in a sling. You, you uh, sound like that proverbial cartoon character that, you know, when they do car cartoons yeah, yeah. of people in yeah. hospital. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I was in that, ca in that cast for, I don't know how long, maybe three or four days or more, you know. Had you actually taken in an arm injury then? Obviously you did. No, you, shoulder. Oh, it was your shoulder. shoulder. Okay, right. Yeah. Uh, I was told another inch and I lost my arm. <gasps> Gosh. Uh, so I had that, that, that for... I used to sleep somehow like that. Yeah. And the nurse came and put a glove on me and to keep it warm. Uh-huh. Uh, then... Um, about a week with a plaster cast on. It started itching. Yeah. You know. And driving your crackers, you know, and you couldn't get at it oh, when it was itching. Gosh, yeah. uh, and then the nurse brought a knitting needle, you know, to poke. <laughs> Tease <laughs> up the crackers. get rid of it. Anyway, <laughs> they cut, cut the uh, plaster off. Yeah. And uh, then I did exercises with, you know, with my arm and that, you know. Uh, squeezing tennis balls and what have you. Yeah. Different exercises. And they also gave me a, a knitting loom. Yes. Like a little loom thing, you know, with, with some wool. And the, the wool was stretched like that. And you had to feed uh, you this uh, piece of uh, material with some wool attached through that. Through there, through there, through there. Backwards and forwards. Backwards and forward. Yeah. And I finished up making a scarf. Yes. Maybe about that long it was. <laughs> I don't know where, where it ever went to, I don't know. So it was about a yard long scarf. Yeah, you know. W was this a therapy? All, diff all different colours it was, you know. <laughs> was this for thera ther therapy to help get therapy, your body yeah. better, yeah, but at the yeah. same time producing then, something? Then uh, we used to uh, bump the floor. The uh, hospital then, that lino, polish. Yes. You know, and the matron used to come around every day, you know, going around the windows, clean that nurse. Checking it was you know. clean, yeah. <laughs> and used to light to attention in your bed. While she <laughs> walked up and down. We used to lie to attention in bed while she walked up and down. They brought these, uh, when we... We were able to get up, like, you know, walk about. We, uh, it's like a long pole with a, a block of uh, material on the end, pretty heavy. Yeah. And you, you used to push it along, and you used to polish the floor. Ah, uh, okay, yes. And we, we did that for quite a while. Yes. No. So how long did it take you to get better? Oh, uh, I was up there for five months. Then had a week's leave, came home. Came back to York. Came back to York. This was near Christmas time. Went back up to the hospital. Then we moved from there to a, a, 
a big house, massive house, about three miles away from the hospital, which was a rehabilitation centre, yes. sort of thing. And we, we did different exercises there, you know. Yes. And, uh, oh, no, then. Oh, they took us to see a football match at Breaking Town. We <laughs> 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 had those blue jacket and trousers. Yes. White shirt, red tie. Yes. You know. And uh, went to the football match. Then one of the nurses lived in Aberdeen. And she took me home one day to see her mother. Yes. Just just for a day out, sort of thing, from, from the hospital. Ah, oh, that was nice. Yeah. And uh, I had two weeks rehabilitation, then two weeks leave. I came home and uh, they were treating me for a while at York Hospital, at, uh, in Fulford there, yeah. military hospital. Yeah. And then I was got a letter to say go to Leeds then uh, I had to go down south uh, aerodrome down south an aerodrome down south who wants Stansted something like Stansted and they put me on a Dakota and sent me back over again wow and I joined up with the uh, Island Light Infantry yes uh, just outside Brussels and when I queried it, I said, why can't I go back to my own regiment? Yes. He said, well, the, the 7th Battalion got hammered at Nijmegen. Yes. And they got all split up, and they went to different regiments. They were shorter men. Yes. And that's why I went to the uh, HLI. That happened to Dad as well, actually, because when he went back after being wounded, uh, he joined the 1st East Lanks in Germany. Hmm. So he couldn't go back to the Green Howards either. Obviously, uh, often happened, didn't it? They just yeah, yeah, sent yeah. you where you were needed. Yeah. So, how long? When would this have been then? When you went back? To, when you went to Brussels? How long? How long were you out of it to get better? Six months. I was five, I was five months in hospital. I think it would be about April. I think. Forty-five. Yeah. When I went back over. Okay. So the war was still. Oh, the yeah. war was still being fought. Yeah, yeah. We, uh, I joined up with HLI. We went to a place called Bockholz. That was absolutely flattened. Was that place? Yeah. Uh, and this was Belgium. Oh, we went out one night round this place where we were, and went in this little shop. Yeah. And there was, we went for a drink. Yeah. You know, there were about half a dozen of us. I went in and uh, some some lad said we'd have a beer, like you know. And one of them, one of them said, uh, "Why I could do with a shandy?" I said, well, "I want a shandy." Yeah. So the lady behind the counter, we tried to explain to her, half lemonade, half a beer, yes, you know. Yeah. And anyway, we we got our shandy. Yes. You know. And then one one of them lads says. I bet we're the only ones that uh, introduced the Shandy to Belgium. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, she'd know after that. Uh, yeah. yeah. Then, uh, as we were coming out of the, this shop place, you know, we heard this noise. And this bright light went straight up into the sky. Yes. It was a V2. Gosh. Somewhere well near where we 
was like, you know. Taking off, yeah. Sorry, yeah. take off the V2, right? I wonder where I it was. Bus bomb. It was a straight up. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. I wonder where it was going. Yeah. Then we uh, went from there up to the Rhine and uh, we joined up with the Canadians. Right. Because the Canadians were, were there when we got there. And uh, we got sorted out with all our stuff. We were on there for about two days, I think. Yes. Ready to go across the Rhine. And as we were mess just messing about, we were getting all our gear together and everything, you know. Yes. And sat talking and what have you. Uh, me and this other lad went, there was a hedge. The Canadians were dug into the side of the banks, you know. The all mod cons, that lot, Canadians. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, this chap just went for a walk along this hedge. Yeah. And we were looking down at the hedge, and there were about a couple of dozen eggs that had been laid in the hedge bottom. So we collected them all up and took them back to the Canadians. Yes. Who had killed a cow, steaks, an egg. Oh. It comes around to me. Nice. It's funny how, how many soldiers' yeah. memories revolve yeah. around and, uh, food. <laughs> with the Canadians, uh, they came one day and said, right, we're going to round all the cows up in the area yes. and put them in one field over there. Yeah. So we did that. So they'd be okay, you know. And the... Uh, one of the uh, sergeants, or sergeant majors, and the Canadians, he went into this barn, and he came out, and he had his finger in a ring on the bull's nose. Come with me. He took him to this field where all these cows were. Oh. <laughs> Gave us a treat. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, gosh. Then uh, we heard this noise. A hell of a noise it was, like a screeching noise. And all of a sudden we saw this message from it. We were, say, the river was behind us, the Rhine. And we were facing that way, so just, and there were loads of troops scattered about. Yes. You know, and, and on the far corner of the field, this message from it came down. You could have shook hands with it, pilot. Gosh. <laughs> you know, and a Spitfire followed him. Yes. I don't know whether they. Did him like or not? Uh, Can you remember seeing many planes around when no. you were in Normandy? No. Yeah. No. Didn't see any on D-Day, really. No. Oh, do oh, hang on. When they bombed uh, Falaise, I think. I think it wouldn't have been Cam. Falaise. Yeah. They bombed. We saw the bombers going over Falaise. Yeah. And the bomb now. Dad, uh, Dad said in his book he didn't see many planes no. throughout his stay. There were some. There were, oh, there were some, yeah. There was one, one day they got attacked by a, a couple of Messerschmitts. Or was it a couple of, no, a couple of Stukas came down and uh, took out some of his pals. And then, but no sooner had they done that than two Spitfires came and chased them across the fields mm. and, they, you know, shot them down. Yeah. Because I think by this time Spitfires had the upper hand, didn't they? On yeah. the then Stukas. the following 
the following afternoon or the following day were more in our positions on the Rhine. We heard this noise on the far end of the field. This jet plane came across. Yes. German jet. Now, I could see the pilot in the in his seat, you know, just went like that. And someone must have disturbed him. He was going steady, you know. Yes. All of a sudden, he away and gone. Gosh. It's a good job the Germans didn't get those jets mm. developed earlier in the war, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Gosh. Then when we went across the Rhine, we started, we, uh, we just woken up, I think, and these guns went off. Artillery. All banks at Rhine. I don't know how many there was, maybe 50 or so. Yeah. 5.5. This was. Bang, bang. Was this enemy fire or. No, I was. You know, ready, ready for the. So crossing the Rhine. Softening them up on the other side. Barrage going off, over the Rhine. Yeah. That stopped. We got in the. the light canoe type of thing, you know. Yes. And uh, we didn't paddle across. We they had the engine at the back, so and yes. motored across. Then we yeah, went into some woods on the other side of the Rhine. And uh, it was getting near night time. And there was uh, quite a few parachutes hanging from the trees and on the floor. Yes. Where the parachute had gone in before. Yes. So me and this other chap, or two of us, three of us, got one of these parachutes and got in the ditch and. Uh, <laughs> used them as a blanket. On a blanket, <laughs> Excellent. yeah. Excellent. <laughs> then we, we moved off the following morning. Oh no, uh, before we were doing, we saw some, uh, we saw Dakota on fire. Yes. And uh, we saw two jump out. It was about maybe a couple of hundred foot. All the blaze was in Dakota. Yeah. There were two jumped out. Then another one jumped out. I don't know whether he's shoot on or not. It was half open when he jumped out. So I don't know how they went on like you now. But uh, yeah. when you see them things like that. I mean, no chance really in them. No. In them situations. How much fighting was there between Brussels and up to. Well, not a lot, river? really. We, we didn't. Uh, mainly skirmishes, sort of. We didn't uh, contact anybody until we got just outside Bremen. Ah, okay, yeah. Uh, we went into some positions that would, uh, there'd been German positions. We got in trenches, you know. Yes. In their trenches. Other occasions, we either got in a barn or in a bed. Yes. In some of these houses that we went through, that, you know. <laughs> Luxury. <laughs> and uh, we uh, settled into these trenches. Just chatting away, and on our right hand side, there was a field, then like a, a road going down that way. Yes. We saw these two Germans coming, they're chatting to each other, going on and watched them. Yes. 
course. And we, we got ready, like, you know, as it came around the corner. Right, put your hands up. One of them put his hand up, the other one ran like the blazers down the field. Yes. Going like that. There were six of us <laughs> banging our way at him, we never touched him. And he was running zigzag. He just oh. disappeared like, you know. And the other chap, who was an American, German. Ah, okay. And he told us that he'd been in Germany on holiday visiting relatives. So he was an American visiting Germany because he had German... He lived, he lived in America. Yes. Went to see his relatives in Germany. Yeah, yeah. Right. Come here in, in the German army. Oh, gosh. So he got... Um, so we, yeah. we captured him, like, and he went back to... to I should think he was pleased then. No wonder he put his hands up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, another I forgot to tell you. Uh, we were on uh, on patrol down oh. this road. Yeah. We came across these Germans lying in the gutter. Yes. About five or six of them. Yeah. Pretending to be dead, sort of thing, you know. And as I as we walked past, you naturally looked down to them. On the one at this end, I saw his eyelids move. So I said to Sergeant, I said, hey, this bloke's, you know. Anyway, they roused them up like, you know. Yeah, got them up. Put their hand up. Yes. And, uh, officer said to one of the lads, he said, take them back to prisoner of war cage. Yes. You know. Take them back. A couple of days after, I said, to, I said to him, how did he go on with your prisoner of war? He says, oh, I said, I said, did he manage to get him to the cage? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chatting like, you know. Got said, no, no, no problems yeah. getting him there. I said, look at that. I said, solid gold watch. <laughs> so, solid gold band. Yeah. <laughs> I said, where did he get that from? He said, one of them prisoners. <laughs> I said, that's mine. He said, well, how do you mean? I said, well, I found them. Yeah. yeah. I said, I said, get lost. So he didn't, he didn't... Uh, I, didn't, I didn't get one. Oh, God. The following day, when that one got away, and he ran down the field, the following day, we was in our trenches, and then this racket started, rockets flying and all sorts going up from this uh, bottom end of the field, like, you know. Yeah. So, I don't know whether he told them we were up this end or whatever, uh, you know. And then we got, we got a bit of hammering on there. Yeah. This chap with me, I, th uh, I think he got shot in his leg. And uh, I more or less half carried him to first aid station down the field, sort of thing. And uh, an officer came and he said, wanted to know what, what had happened. So I told him, like, you know. Yeah. That we'd been attacked and what have you. And uh, next thing I know, I'm on a Bren gun carrier yeah. with a ticket on. Next thing I know, I'm on a Bren gun carrier with a ticket on. And uh, psychoneurosis, uh, which is shell shock. Shell shock, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's when I came home. You know, like, 
went to Nuthouse. Yes. We were in this building, and there were quite a few of our chaps banging plates and turning around, you know, making a noise and that. You know, all old shell shop people. Gosh. And then uh, next, put me on a train to Brussels. Went in a hospital in Brussels for uh, a night, I think it was. Then I was, uh, went to Brussels Airport, got on the Dakota yes. and came home. I stood all the way from Brussels to England because the plane was packed. They had stretches down both sides. Ah, yes. You know, were wounded. And people stood up. Yes. It was packed. It's funny, it isn't it? Stood up all the way. I went to hospital in... Queen Elizabeth Hospital in... Down South. I'm trying to think of the name. Come the on. doctor, after being there a couple of days, he came around and said, I've got to examine you regarding getting demobbed. Yes. Anyway, went in his office, stripped off, examined me. He said, when did he get wounded? I said, last July in Normandy. So he says, you should never have gone back. Oh, really? Yeah. I yes. said, now you tell me, you know. Anyway, we chatted a bit longer, and he said, uh, do you fancy riding a motorbike? I said, why, well, what do you want? He says, well, uh, we shot a dispatch rider. <laughs> so I said, I told I said you. get lost, I said, you know. And he said, oh, you're okay, then. Yeah, get oh, away home. Oh, dear. No, that was it. And that was the end of your war. Yeah. Just a, a very brief aside about Bremen, because Dad, um, when he first went to North Africa, he landed, he, he arrived in Egypt, and he was guarding pr Italian... No, no, German prisoners of war. There's about 2,000 German prisoners of war mm. in Egypt. And uh, he befriended one or two of them. And uh, he, one of them, he, Dad helped this German lad get message home to his parents that he was okay. Yeah, yeah. And his really, you know, the parents were really grateful and they wrote to Dad thanking him. So we've got all these letters. Mm. Um, uh, but he came from Bremen. Oh, yeah. This lad came from Bremen. And I actually tracked him down after the war. Oh, sorry. I, in recent years, I've tracked him down. And he, he survived the war and, uh, you know, had family. And uh, I got a picture of his gravestone. Mm. So uh, hopefully Dad's, Dad's kindness indirectly helped him yeah, yeah, have, yeah, have yeah, a decent yeah. life. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then again, you get these other people... Well, in the field hospital in Bayer, yeah. there was a German SS fella, and he wanted to take, uh, what do you call it? Injection. Blood. Oh, he wouldn't take, wouldn't take blood? He wouldn't take blood. Yes. Okay. Because, you know, he thought it was Jewish blood. It wouldn't have been Aryan. But yeah. whether... Whether they put him to sleep and then give him some, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But uh, then another case where they, uh, 
they c- captured some German prisoners and they inter- interviewed them, sort of thing, you know, getting the names and numbers and whatever, what regiments. And this one of our lads sat at this table, name, number, and all that, you know, all right, carry on. You know. SS bloke come, big tall, blonde. SS, like. yeah. Name, oh, especially him, Sten gun, bang, really, put him away, yeah. Ooh. <laughs> Gosh, but um, wow. the, them, uh, you, Italy youth, and all that lot, yeah, they're right. Gosh. I mean, you hear, hear stories of different things, you know. Yeah. What they did. We, yeah. Uh, I think we heard about the Canadians, paratroopers. They got captured. And they pulled up again a wall and shot them. And the word went round. They don't take no more prisoners. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Quite a few occasions, like that, you know, different things. If you don't. give like that, you're going to expect to receive in kind, haven't you? Yeah, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. Happy days. <laughs> yes, yeah. I know that always, you know, obviously it was hard times, but there were there were a lot of uh, good things to remember. Some of the fun. Oh yeah, yeah. You always made the most of it on the humorous side, didn't you? Oh, what was it? Oh, we were in a farmhouse. Went down its cellar. And some bottles that. Cr- uh, Calvados? No. Oh. Creme de mint. Oh, creme, yeah, creme de mint. Like, like a green. Great green, oh. yes. Oh. Yeah. It's like what? Like. Uh, oh, deadly, deadly stuff was that. Yeah. Did you get drunk on it then? No, no. I didn't. Oh. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> again. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody who come, they could have done what they like with them, you know. <laughs> oh. oh, crikey. Yeah, that's a popular French liqueur, it used to be, didn't it? Yeah. Oh, dear. Yes. Who laughs? Well, I only got drunk once in army. I didn't get drunk then. But when we joined up, yeah. up at Richmond, did our six weeks basic training. On the Friday, we'd finish. On the Saturday, uh, on the Friday night, the sergeant said, we're going downtown tomorrow yeah. to celebrate your passing out. Yeah. So I went down to Richmond next day, Saturday. Went in this pub. I'm not kidding you. I was heaving, sick as a dog. Yeah. Head down the toilet. Oh, dear. <laughs> Come out the pub. Richmond barracks at the top of a hill. Oh, yes, yes. Right? 11 o'clock at night, you know. Yeah. I was on my hands and knees. Right? <laughs> Halfway up Richmond Hill, I crawled. Oh, uh, no, I've never been drunk since. Why the hell do they get drunk? It's it's, most, it's miserable. You get headaches, stomach aches, all the other aches, you know. You don't plan to get drunk, though, do you? <laughs> well, you do. Oh, no. You plan... That you're going to stop before you get so drunk yeah. that you get the worst effects. 
But by the time you realise you've reached that point, it's yeah. too late, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, dear. You want another cup of tea? I'm all right, thanks, Ken. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Are you all right for time? Yes, I'm okay. Yeah. All right. Can I... Um, I'll give you another chance if there's anything else you think you can remember, but there's a few things I've got written down that might bring back a few memories for you anyway. Yeah, the reason I was going to tell you I do the podcast is because I've got some listeners, and there's one of them, um, Eddie, whose father was in the 7th Green, Green Howards. So he's told me some tales from his dad, and Eddie Toms. And he might have made, you know, some of the names I've got here might just ring a bell for you. I can't, I can't remember names, Paul. No, oh, well, know, okay. you know. If I just tell you that... I can, um, I can think of people... Yeah. But for names, I couldn't tell you. No, all right. All that's more or less gone. Remembering names. Okay. There's one funny story I got. Yeah. About names. When we were in France, there were different notices that went up, you passed, you know, names of villages and all that sort of thing, you know. Yes. Village Bocage and Crepon. Yes. And I say to people, but there, there was one place we could never find. There was all sorts of signs of everywhere you went, you know. Actung mining, and we couldn't find that place. <laughs> <laughs> Old uns, but good uns, eh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, good. Um, all right. Well, I, w- I won't read you all these stories, because if, if it's not going to... Um, trigger anything in terms of people I'll tell you what I'm th- this, there's one or two stories that are just good, it doesn't matter who the person I'll was tell you what it, name it, was Lavatory Pan Lavatory, oh yeah Lavatory Pan that yeah, was the, it was the, the shape yeah, of the drive yeah. on mm. Gold Beach I'll tell, just tell you this one Norman, Wes, Norman Webb nearly said Norman Wisdom there Norman Webster uh, this is Eddie Toms, his dad he was a mate of... Norman Webster was a mate of my dad's who was killed in Normandy. Dad told me that they called him Dad because he was the oldest at 28 in the platoon. And uh, and he used to ask Dingy Bell, the platoon sergeant, if he, if he could go forward of the front lines to snipe at the Germans. So he, he was so keen on uh, getting at them, he, he'd go forward and do a bit of sniping. But then one day he just went out and never came back. Mm-hmm. So obviously somebody found him. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Do you ever remember suffering from friendly fire? Oh, yeah. What what was that like, apart Uh, from the obvious? Well, we went... I think we went to third this first day... Yeah. About eight mile, I think. You did, didn't you? The Green Howards, yeah. And the Navy spotters saw some movement where we were and they sent a couple of shells over. Yeah. So we had to pull yeah. back. Oof. You know. Yeah. Plus, 
our own artillery had to go at this sometimes. Wow. Yeah. You know. Uh, then the Air Force. Uh, so we were fighting on four fronts with yeah. the Germans as well. Yeah. Do you ever remember firing at planes with your rifles? No, 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 no. We uh, were on patrol one night, middle at night, and uh, all of a sudden everywhere was lit up. Yes. One of the spotter planes had dropped a flare. Oh, right, yeah. And, uh, you know, it was daylight. Yes. But... And we all dived into ditches or whatever, yes. you know. I dived into one. And I'm sure somebody died on top of me. And then one of those uh, uh, seven barrel mortars. Nebelwerfer. Yeah, Nebelwerfer. Yeah. Came over. Oh. And I'm saying. I moved six inches from the impact from the explosion yeah, yeah, or yeah. wherever they were yeah. we heard them like you know Gosh. I'm sure I lifted that and with a bloke on, on my back <laughs> oh, well that's alright that, that, that's all I can you know if you were going to get hit he would have got he would have protected you probably <laughs> awful as it seems but, oh yeah. remember that one and that tear never worked oh dear mm -hmm. Morning minis. Organ grinder, they used to call it. Yeah. Oh, no. okay, never heard of that one. Yeah. Organ grinder. Yeah. Oh, dear. Any trouble with snipers any time? Oh, uh, yeah. Well, not a sniper, a German officer. Yeah. We're in this, like, a uh, street. And we're all at this end. And this officer kept popping his head round with his revolver. Oh, gosh. And shoot, you know. Shooting at you. And we were all on the on the deck. <laughs> yes. You know. Anyway, yeah. Uh, about say half an hour. Yes. He kept us back, you know. Stopped. We gradually crept up to see where, you know, and he disappeared. Oh. I don't know where he'd gone, but he disappeared. Yeah. yeah. Obviously decided he was going to, yeah. at some point, he was going to get out flying. Yeah, now we had another one, a proper, uh, proper sniper, held it up for about an hour, till somebody coloured him like, you know. Yeah. Um, well, I lost my rifle as well, on the train. You lost your rifle? Yeah. Well, in well, I forgot where we were going now. We're in the, like, cattle truck sort of things, you know. But was this in... A sliding doors. Was this abroad or in back in England? No, in France. In France, OK. Yeah. yeah. Uh, was it when I went, went back to Brussels? I know it was on this train. And we three of, three of us, I think they were in, laid down on the floor. Yes. And I'd prop my rifle up against the side of the truck like, you know. Oh, gosh. Sleep. Yeah. Woke up after a bit. The door had slightly opened. Rifle at the out. Crikey, so it gone through the crack. Oh, so did you get? Yeah. Uh, I had to get another one. Did you get into trouble? No, I didn't get in trouble. No, just signed for another. Gosh. <laughs>
Did you ever, were you ever on charge for any, any misdemeanour? I was on a charge in England, in hospital, went into breaking on the bush with two or three more lads, and I went in a cafe and uh, for a drink. A chap in the cafe, Scotch fella, he bought us all dinner. Then we had a drink, and I don't know how it worked out, but I got on the wrong bus going back to the hospital. Oh. <laughs> I finished up miles away somewhere. Yeah. I, I couldn't tell you where it was. Yeah. But I walked down this road. I had an idea where the hospital was. Yes. And I walked for miles down this road, I thought. Got back to the hospital. Next morning, officer wants to see. Yeah. And there was a, a lady officer, you know. It was late last night. Yes, and I explained like I suppose. Yeah. But uh, I didn't get let, anything. They didn't, you know, yeah. what charge oh, that's, that's you know. good. That's good, because it shows a bit of compassion that, you know, yeah, yeah. being... I don't know, I'll go on bus, I'll have a go my house, I'll do it. Yeah. I thought, yeah. where am I going? <laughs> you wouldn't have done it deliberately, would you? Oh, dear. Oh, gosh. Can you remember where... Sorry, I'm dotting around a bit now, but... Um, can you remember where you stood on the, or sat on the landing craft when you were approaching Gold Beach? I stood on, on, on about the middle, I think. Yes, oh, well, yeah. you know, down one side, I was on this side as we were going in, watching all the... Yeah, well, Dad, was you were in a similar position to Dad then, because he was on the left-hand side. He said mm. fifth, fifth from the front. So it's interesting that, you know, I don't think I would want to have been the second or third person leaving the craft because the first one would probably get away with it. I brought a couple of Tommy helmets. I thought was, you could try one on and tell me if it brings back any memories. When was the last time you had one of them? In the war? Yeah. Gosh. Put, put your picture down and then have a bit of fun with them. If you're up for it. You just have some netting on top. Ah, uh, did they? Yes, yes. You know, netting. Yeah. On top. A bit of camouflage. Yeah. I don't think I used to wear mine with that. Used to wear that on the back. On the back. Ken's talking about not wearing the strap under his chin. I'm just taking a photograph. Oh, that's great, that's great. Just, I, it's a shame I didn't have a Sten gun to give you. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I, I did read that um, sometimes they didn't put the straps around because if you got hit by shell fire, the blast could like yeah, break, yeah. Your, break your neck. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. people kept, kept them off. Yeah. Which is front and back. One of these is 1938 issue, and I think it was something similar. Mm. So the yeah. genuine. Well, uh, when I got to the uh, HLI, we got we got more of a gold one on now then. They, they changed these. Did they? Yeah. All right. That's the original shape. Is this? 
Do you think that's what you would have had? Or? Yeah. Yeah. But the, the later, after D Day, they changed the shape of them. Yeah. Like a, deep, a deeper ball on them. Do you want to put it back on again and I'll take a... Do, you, know what, you know what a selfie is, don't you? It's one of them, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> pull it, pull it, pull it. Pretend we're looking at a German and we're... Ooh. <laughs> got, got one more. Oh, that's excellent. Thank you. Yeah, they're quite heavy, aren't they? Yeah, they are, yeah. But then, then again, we didn't feel the weight of everything, you know. No. It was just like a, putting a hat on. Yes, yes. Every day. Yeah, you get you used, used to it, wouldn't you? I once interviewed uh, another Green Howard, Wilf Shaw. He was in the sixth, and uh, he told me a story about a helmet when he was fighting in Africa. He, he dropped to the ground because they were under fire. This was at the Battle of El Alamein. And he lay on the ground and held the helmet in front of his head, and a bullet hit it and dropped into the webbing and saved his life. Yeah, yeah. You know? So the, those helmets did give yeah. you protection. Yeah. Not, not always, oh, yeah. but not all uh, all them, sometimes, yeah. I've seen uh, a couple with a hole through this, the side sort of thing, yeah. Yeah. Wow. What are you going to show me here, then? Uh, this is our window. This is a photograph of a stained glass window with a landing craft on it. they got all the... Uh, uh, I've got my name, where to sign it. Yeah. There's uh, three of us now. Uh, myself, Douglas Petty, yeah. who's a uh, Air Force fella. Yeah. And uh, Sid Metcalf, he's uh, was in reconnaissance yeah. regiment. Now, Nick, I will go between fella. Been on about getting this window done. Yeah. And uh, so this is a stained glass window, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. For the church. And we yeah. uh, had a few problems with it, you know, getting it done. Anyway, he went up to see the lady. That's her name. There's Helen Whitaker. Helen Whitaker. You've been to David Hockney. Yes. You know his window on Westminster Abbey. Yes. She did that. Oh gosh, right. And uh lives up the road here. Yeah. And uh, he went to see her about getting this done. Yeah. And at the time the uh one of the uh, television people were there. Yeah. They were filming uh for uh glass work what she was doing. Yes. And uh, Nick was talking to the television fella. Yes. And uh, they were discussing this with uh, Eleanor about the window. Yeah. And Nick said, do you think it would be a good idea if we got the veterans to have a chat with Eleanor? Yeah. You know. And, and the television broke said, certainly. What a good idea. Yeah. So, we got uh, 
we went up to uh, see her and she explained what she was doing and we, we followed it up what a great bit of history I mean that window's going to be there in a hundred years time isn't yeah, it yeah. and you've got all the history of how it was created what's, what's the name of the church where it is St Lawrence St Lawrence yeah. in, in York it's only about uh, 500 yards from here okay. down the road there God, that must have been a delicate job handling yeah. that. Yeah. To well, put it in place without breaking it. <laughs> she mentioned about doing the work like she said uh, I've had money a cut finger. Oh yes. And blood on the table, yes. you know. <laughs> He's ninety seven, ninety eight. I see. He's ninety six, I think, ninety seven. It's it's interesting, isn't it, that you've got people in the late 90s despite going through this war and it obviously yeah, didn't yeah, do yeah. that much harm mm -hmm. do, you, do you still suffer from your war wounds at all? Uh, now and again I get an ache well, if I've been lying on that side ah, okay. you know, on, the, on your shoulder yeah. but it, it wears off Yeah. So, sometimes it aches it doesn't go for a long while now, I used to take ibuprofen yeah. for it yeah. That's what a doctor recommended, like, you know. Yeah. But that's it's gradually worn off. That's good. You've heard of Eden Camp near Pickering. Right, okay. And it used to be an Italian prisoner of war camp. Ah, okay. They're all huts. There used to be about 20, there's now about 30 huts. Yeah. And every hut. As a, an aspect of the war. Oh gosh. Navy, Army, Air Force. Yeah. Uh, SOE, yeah. different things. You know. There's even one hut decked out as a submarine. Gosh. And you go in, you go in the submarine and they drop depth charges on you. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> uh, that's Eden Camp, near Pickering, you say. Yeah. I'll it's, it's, that. it's brilliant, you know, yeah. the museum. Yeah. Every hut is different. I'll check that out. Thank you. There's one question I meant I wanted to ask you. When you were at camp in Southampton, you know, waiting the day, can you remember being locked in the camp? Or just no, we were told. You we were told, told we couldn't go home. Yeah, well, that's what I thought, because that's what Dad suggested. Yeah. But some stories you hear that they were locked into the camp, but... I think it possibly depends which battalion and, and what time. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, there was camps down there that were were locked. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. You couldn't go out. Yeah. Let me show you when I was a bodyguard to the Queen's father. You were a bodyguard to the Queen's father. Is this a joke or is this a? What? Is this an old soldier's yarn or? Oh wow! So this is it's not a yarn. Is that you? No, that's me. You're a young lad. How old were you there? 16? 14. 14. That's when I was at the Ordnance Factory. Ah. See the gun barrel light on the floor there somewhere. Oh, gosh, yeah. Yeah. We didn't know that was being taken. Yeah. Because uh, Ernie, he was another office boy in the same office as me. Yeah. So you've been in the presence of the king. And we'd, we'd been taking messages... To different officers. Yeah. And we didn't know who was who or whatever. Yeah. But we just happened to be there at that time. Yeah. 
That's the that's the Lord Mayor of Nottingham. That's the manager of the factory. Yeah. I think that's his chauffeur. Yeah. Is this is it Edward the Seventh? No. Uh, let me read that again. Is that Edward the Eighth? No. Is that George the Sixth? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'll edit the right bit in. <laughs> hmm. Oh dear, I'm hopeless on the right on the uh, our royal. Well, I knew it wasn't Edward. A the couple eight. of days after, one of the chaps in our office, he came in with two photographs. These two photographs. Yeah. He said to me, "There's one for you, and there's one for Ernie." Oh, how lovely! What a nice thought. Yeah. Yeah. It's, then he said, look at that cheeky little bugger with his hands in his pocket. Oh, next gosh, you did, didn't you? <laughs> I remember when I was at Bayer uh, <coughs> with Dad on the 50th anniversary. Was it 50th? Oh, yeah. was it on 50th? I was on 50th. Well, yeah. All right, man. The first time we went, I'm not kidding you, you couldn't walk two yards before somebody, you know. Oh, really? Like a drink with you. Yeah, you know. offering you a drink, yeah. <sighs> Some of the things we've done over there, you know. We sat in a cafe and we were sat there talking. Two, I don't know, Japanese or Chinese young ladies. Go take a photograph, you know. Yeah. You know, so we sat there, take a photograph. Two more come. Three more <laughs> Four more <laughs> There must have been at least 50, 60. Gathered round where we sat at our table when Nick and Gloria came out yeah. with our food like that. Yeah. I think you're such a. I don't know. So many levels, you're, you're attractive, aren't you? Yeah. You're a, well, a that unique. One, that thing. one went viral, did that? Did it? It didn't surprise yeah. me. The Abbey Road one. We, uh, yeah. We'd just been to see the Piper on Sword Beach. We're coming back to the coach. We come to that crossroad, yeah. and one of our honorary members says, "Hang on a minute, I've got an idea." They've stopped near a zebra crossing, a pedestrian crossing, and one of the members says he's got an idea. So we all get off the coach, stop the traffic, yeah. took the photograph, goes back to the hotel, our courier, and his laptop. He said, "Come and look at this." Yeah. Gone all over the world. Gosh. So four veterans, fully blazed up with medals, have uh, crossed a zebra crossing in a straight line, just like the Beatles did on their Abbey Road album. I mean, it is an iconic photograph that Beatles Abbey Road. Yeah. And then uh, cover. A week after, I think it was a week after, we had a letter from Paul McCartney. Paul McCartney, wow. We were at, uh, went to American sector, yeah. went to St Mary Gleese, yes. where the paratroopers, you know, that uh, one on the roof. So, get on the coach to go to St Mary Gleese. I just, anybody got any extra sandwiches? No, what for? I said, well, we want them when we get there. No. Father on church roof there, he's been there all these years, he's getting hungry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. 
I just want to record a formal thank you, Ken, for all the time you've just given me this morning. Because you've really brought some pieces of history to life that I wasn't aware of. Mm-hmm. And it's been fascinating to hear what you've said compared with what I know Dad did. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. funnily how, funny how many parallels there are, really. But um, on behalf of the world, thank you for your service. Thank you for your bravery and uh, coming back from Miss Hall and living a good life. Mm, yeah, yeah. I've, I've, I've had a good life, really, you know, when I come to think. Only in the last six years. Yeah. I've had my cataracts done. Oh, okay. Gallstones done. Appendix out. Wow. This is in the last six years, this. Yeah. You know. And you're still doing well on it. And before yeah. that, I've no complaints whatsoever. Even now, I'm only on an aspirin a day. Gosh. And so I, I give 25 pints. So you gave blood. Altogether. Yeah. And that wouldn't, have you stopped doing it now or are you still doing it? No, I'm not doing it now. No. Because... The 26th time I went, uh, what's she say? Ah, oh, you, you've, uh, what do they call it now? When, you, when your blood's uh, not... Anemic? Anemic, ah, that's it. Yeah. So you, you're anemic, oh, okay. so we're not taking any more blood. Yeah. So that I stopped them. So, so you, do you take iron tablets now, or did you used to for a period? No, no iron tablets, no. I'm just, uh, have a... Drink a stout now and again. Yeah, yeah. My dad used to like Macus and used to feed yeah. it, hey. feed it to me when I was a kid. He'd sort of put the glass down here, and I'd go around the back of the city and s- s- sneak a glass. You want a tin? No, no, thanks, no. Huh? No, I've drunk Macus's for ages. Have you not? Yeah. <laughs> what do you want to share one now? You mean? Are you going to have no, one? No, 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 right no, no. If you want, if you want to have one together, I'd, I'd share one, but. They put me on uh, uh, Guinness in the hospital. Did they? Yeah. That's a, that's a bottle chore. Bottle of day. That would have been, that was an imposition then, wasn't it? Yeah, bottle of day was Guinness up there. Guinness. I think that's what started me off on, you know, Maxon. Yeah. 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 Well, they're similar, aren't they? Yeah. They are yeah. similar. Well, Ken, I think, unless there's anything else you wanted to add to all that, I think I've gone through all my questions. Mm. That's my playbook. Oh, yes. Yeah. State of that. Yeah. That's your, your clothing. Now, different sizes. Yeah. That's a uh, gas chamber. When you tried your gas mask on. Testing. You went in a room. Oh, gosh. You went in a room. You yeah. shut the door. Yeah. Uh now then, did you put your gas mask on first? Probably, then you they put the gas in, then you'd be... Then you'd take your gas mask off. Yeah. It was... And you had to sort of... Yeah, hold your, up, try and hold your breath or whatever, but you, you did get some of it, you know. Yeah, oh gosh. You nearly choked on it. Uh, Long-range long group, third one yeah, down. Yeah, yeah. That's when you went on the range. Yeah. You tried all the weapons... Sten gun, Tommy gun, uh, Bren gun, Piet, chucked down a grenade somewhere, and they threw one on grenade, don't know. In the hole? On there. Right. You know, when you... Did you throw any during the fighting? No. No. Did you have a Lee Enfield? Yeah. Rifle? Yeah. 
See this here? Yeah. Right, we'd add these. This is a list of vaccinations received. So the three or four of us are not having no needle no more. You know, they were uh, te- toxic and uh, tetanus. Yes. Toxic. And you, your arm was up here with them, you know. Yeah. We, thought they were, we had to get some more done as well. Yes. So we decided to put our own in and just screw ink. So, we so you forged the entries? You little monkeys. <laughs> so you got all this protective inoculations, This the heading mm. on this thing is, mm. and you've got... We, we had so many, all these, tetoxin, T-A-B, whatever it is. And you've had first and second, tetanus, tox... So they said we were going to get some more, so we fiddled them. I'm going to report you. The long, the long arm of the army <laughs> will, will catch up on you. Oh, wow. So, the reason you you smudged it was that so it would look... So we'd had them. You'd had them, but it was just, yeah. Yeah. Just like a cover-up. Yeah. yeah, cover-up, yeah. It would make it harder for someone to check, wouldn't it? <laughs> nice souvenirs, eh? Oh, yeah. Uh what telegram all my mum got when I was in hospital. Yeah, saying you were injured. Well, it's 79 hospital, field hospital. Yeah. Dangerously ill, then... That would have worried her. Second time, second telegram she got when I was in Germany, just before I got shell shot thing. Yes. She got a telegram saying, missing... Believe prisoner of war. Then she got another one saying, As your son is missing, believe prisoner of war. We'll have to stop your payments. Because I used to send half my pay yes. home yes. to my mum. Yeah. Because my dad was in the army as well. Right. Right. So this, this was, let <laughs> you, we'll stop your payment till. I got found again, like, you know. <laughs> but at this point, you were, in fact, in hospital. Well, the, the second one, the one that was said uh, about uh, payment. Yeah. I was at all on leave when that came. All right. <laughs> so you could prove that that one wasn't correct. So another, the... another case of MOD. Yeah. When I joined up with... Navy, uh, Normandy Vets, yeah. their association. One of the lads says, have you got a defence medal? I said, no. I said, they didn't send me one, they sent me the others. Yes. No. France and Germany, 39-45. I said, I didn't get a defence medal. He said, well, you're entitled to it. Yeah. This chap said. I said, uh, yeah, I'll give you an address. To send to. So I sent the. That's told them that. Yeah. I got a letter back. I'm very sorry, but you're not entitled to the defence medal because your time in hospital doesn't count. Oh, honestly. Can you believe that? Yeah. I haven't got the letter. I took it straight on the fire. Yeah, yeah. You know. Oh, gosh, that's. It's a churlish. That's MOD. Is that. the word that comes oh. to mind. Are you sure you're mid Oh, absolutely, yeah. 
What did he have to do in the army? Oh, he was. Um, med- he was in the medical medics. Class. Yeah. My dad once said they were br- the medics were bricks. There was a repatriation in 1943. Yeah. The chaps from Dunkirk and before, they were most, mostly Scottish regiments, I think, and uh, they had an exchange, and my dad went on a ship to uh, Sweden, Gothenburg. Oh, yeah. Sweden. Yes. And they docked in Gothenburg, and all these soldiers were on the dockside, crutchless, crutchless, some no arms and some with no legs or whatever, you know, and there was, they were no good to anybody anymore, so they decided to repatriate them, and they docked, and the medical staff on the ship were not allowed to go down to help them onto the ship. There was German sentries all along the dockside. Oh. And they had to help themselves, more or less, Yeah. To, get, to go on the ship, you know. So there's a Red Cross ship, Gothenburg. Gothenburg. And to repatriate all the severely wounded soldiers that the Germans mm. didn't want to have to yeah. look after. Yeah, they are. They're all more Scottish. Oh. Black, Black Watch and Seaforth Islanders, I think, was yeah. in Dunkirk a lot. Black Watch and Seaforth Highlanders. And your dad was involved in this as a medic? Yeah, as a medic, yeah. yeah. I mean, fancy... Not, you know, you're on the ship, you're a, a medical person, yet you can't go down and help them. Get on the yeah. ship, yeah. yeah. As they say, I suppose they'd be afraid of sabotage, wouldn't they? Something yeah, yeah, it could have been. Yeah, time bomb down there or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unlikely, but they wouldn't be able to guarantee it. So they've said, well, in that case, you can't go down. Mm-hmm. I'm impressed with your medal set. That's fabulous. You can't have them. Sorry. <laughs> when we go to. Uh, when we used to go to schools, talk to school children, you know. Yeah. And they came to have a look at the medals. Yeah. And they say, what's that one for? I said, well, that's Weetabix. That's Cocoa Pops. <laughs> that's shredded wheat. <laughs> and the top one, that's Crunchy Nut, that one. <laughs> right. You got, as in, out of a cereal packet. <laughs> so I said to if you have cereals, collect six tops of the packets, yeah. send them away and they got one of them. <laughs> 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 Laugh loud and mad, did you? <laughs> it's funny, you used to be able to collect all sorts in cereal packets, oh, yeah, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to love it as a kid when you got yeah. some got a free toy. Well, where do you go from that? Um... We've got the PS coming up in a minute, so stay with me. I just want to say now thank you so very much for your support and for making the time to listen to me. And thanks in particular to Ken Cook for making time for me and sharing your treasured memories and for your service to society, Ken, which continues even today, albeit in a different and less dangerous form. If I hear about the resurrection of the play Bomb Happy post-Covid, I'll let you know. 
In the meantime, if you can get hold of a published book, Bomb Happy, that contains the script to the play and those very same words spoken by veterans all those years ago and repeated in such surreal fashion by some of today's young actors. The book's by Helena Fox and it's available from most booksellers. So that's Bomb Happy by Helena Fox. Right now, we're in a period of remembrance, and we'll all have paid our respect in our own way. In small contribution to this, the following PSs are in tribute to the fallen. It's often said that the ones who died fighting were the real heroes, so he's just a few of them. I'm including a short soundbite from the recent memorial service I attended for the late Captain Stan Perry. The memorial ceremony went really well, with a large number attending and with some serious military honours rolled out by the Sherwood Rangers. And I've put a short video in the show notes for this episode on the website. P.S. I had a recent email from Michael Stapleton near Liverpool in England, um, and Michael said, just a quick one about the memorial services on Sunday. I'll be sure to say a little prayer for all veterans we've heard from and who gave the ultimate sacrifice throughout the wars we've fought. I've come across a little bit of information on lads from my own town, Knowsley, killed in action throughout the wars, and the KIA lists from World War I were very surprising, as my town was barely just a small farming community back in 1914. I'm not going to read all the names that Michael sent me. Suffice to say that they included both world wars, together with Borneo, Gulf War, Falklands, Northern Ireland and Afghanistan. Moving on to a few memories from listener Eddie Toms, whom you heard from briefly during the interview with Ken. Eddie's dad was in the 7th Battalion, Greenhowards, same as Ken, so these stories relate to the same time and place of the war. I did ask Ken if he knew which company he was in, but he couldn't remember. Eddie said, My dad was Edward Toms, 7th Battalion Green Howards, C Company, 14th Platoon. He was known as Ned, or Tomo. He was in North Africa, but wasn't involved in the fighting. However, he fought in Sicily, D-Day and Normandy, until he was wounded by, I think, shell or mortar fire in August 44. His platoon sergeant in Sicily and France was John Dingy Bell from Ashington. He was a veteran of the BEF in France, and Dad said he was the best of men. Dingy always picked my dad first when doing night patrol, something I thought Dad was secretly very proud of. He lost a very good mace, William Bill Smart, on 14th of July in Sicily. Dad and his platoon were going up a lane when a German plane dropped a bomb on the men. Bill was in the centre of the track. Alongside him was a chap who lost an arm. He'd been a barber in Civvy Street. My dad was nearest a dry stone wall, and he didn't have a scratch. He often talked about Bill who he says was smart by name and smart by nature. During the Normandy campaign, the platoon was commanded by a Canadian Canlone officer from the Winnipeg Rifles. Dad said he was a bloody good officer. 
Another of my dad's mates was killed in July 44 in Normandy. He was Lance Sergeant Norman Dad Webster. <laughs> His nickname was Dad because he was 29 and therefore much older than most of his pals. Norman would ask Sergeant Bell if he could go forward of the platoon lines and would do this on a regular basis to snipe at Germans. Then one day he never returned. It was assumed he'd been killed and later it unfortunately turned out that he had. You've heard this next story before, but not from the first-hand point of view from the sun. It was something that Ken said during our meeting that triggered the memory for me, and I think it's a story that's worth a second airing, especially as this version contains a lot of detail that I didn't have last time. It's about uh, Corporal George Tandy in the Royal Marines, and it's a contribution by his son Kevin Tandy on the BBC People's War website. My late father, Corporal George Tandy, RM, on D-Day, was coxswain of LCA 786-539 Assault Flotilla. When his boat was being launched from the ship, the steering wheel was accidentally torn off. Knowing the importance of getting his troops ashore, he climbed over the stern of his craft and steered the boat in rough seas to Gold Beach by pushing the rudder with his boot and instructing his mace on the use of the throttle and he arrived only seconds late when he returned for more troops he was ordered back on board SS Empire Halberd to warm up he told me that he was so cold that the tepid water they put him in felt scalding he was awarded the Distinguished Service Medal, the DSM, for his efforts, and he was also told that he'd be awarded the Croix de Guerre Second Class by the French, although this was never received by him. Later on, he was greatly flattered by being guest of honour at the inauguration of the new 539 Assault Squadron, recognised as being a missing asset after the Falklands conflict. When Dad passed away after a long, gruelling illness, he was cremated locally. But we were requested to take his ashes to Stonehouse Barracks in Plymouth. We were taken out on a modern-day landing craft assault, an LCA, then transferred onto a landing craft tank, where the RM Padre said a few words over Dad's ashes. And we then put Dad back to the place where he always said he should be at the end of his days. Listening to the Fighting Through Podcast. I'm Ken Cook, and I'm saying bye bye now.